Nikki, Nikki, Nikki. <laughs> Selena, Selena, Selena. <laughs> and turn off podcast. <laughs> you know, Moving I, along. I think that I realized that we're always saying hello to each other, but we're never saying hello to anyone else. Is that rude? Oh, yeah. This is all your fault. Hey, everybody. <laughs> hey, sweet TNTV fans. So I was going to say that I was, uh, my mom has definitely caught up on the podcast. Because, oh, yay. Because mm-hmm, now she's texting me to tell me what we get wrong. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, but I'll take engagement however I get it. You guys think I'm kidding it in the podcast. And I'm like, send in your complaints. <laughs> I just want to know you're still here. Ah, yeah. I just want to make sure I'm not just, uh, shouting in the wind. <laughs> you're not. I also got an email this week from our friend, Tammy, a friend of the show Ooh. who said that she loves listening to the podcast because it feels like she's having lunch with us. Oh, that nice. That's nice. That is someone we know. <laughs> Just so people don't think that Tammy's a crazy person. <laughs> but I think that's the most flattering thing of all. Maybe I is, think so too. Is for people that you know to like tune in and think you're worth it. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep listening. I like it. Uh, so yeah. So basically, what we're trying to say is like, come have lunch with us. <laughs> That's what we're saying, right? And hey, Mama Selena, it's good for you to continue texting your criticisms to Selena. I will also text you Nikki's number. <laughs> she Actually, she really loves phone calls, so just call her directly. Um, but no, I mean, I do appreciate Mom telling me, and she's been very nice about it. But um, And I've been trying to be like, well, Mom, you know these things because you're old. I mean, I've been trying oh. not to tell her that. <laughs> oh, Mama Selena. Uh, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> you're beautiful. Uh, okay, so here's what mom told me. Mom told me that I got something wrong when we were talking about Willard Scott. This is a while back, guys. This is an episode. Bozo the Clown? Bozo. He's not Bozo the Clown. I messed that up. He's Ronald McDonald. Okay. But here's the thing, mom. Even when I'm wrong... I'm still right. <laughs> Don't you miss me living in your house? I was going to say, I just got a glimpse into high school, Selena. Not even a little bit. So um, he actually was like, uh, like this character is franchised apparently. So there wasn't just like the main Bozo the Clown. There were Bozo the Clowns in like other cities. And he actually was the DC version of Bozo for a time. But he is not known for that. Okay, He's known for being Ronald McDonald. So I apologize. I got my clowns confused. I'm glad that she caught that for us because it was weird in my head that he was Bozo the Clown. It didn't feel right. But I didn't do my research, so I was not in a position to question you. What Nikki is trying to say is she's really glad that I was wrong. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm saying I'm glad your mom told you you were wrong. He was, he was also like a weatherman or like... Yes. Uh, okay. That's what I... Oh, so now you know all these I things. I know a lot of things about Willard Scott. I just didn't want to correct you on Family? the Family? That's just rude. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to be rude. That's right. If you're going to do it, do it through text. <laughs> Do, shame me privately then i will come here and shame myself publicly it's what we call a good time uh but that's that's pretty much it otherwise uh I, uh unless you want to berate me a little bit i figured we could was that the only correction she had 
That was the main one. I think. Well, other ones I'd already apologized for. (laughs) The 7-Eleven thing was big. I was like, Mom, just hang on, okay? Oh, actually, I think I do apologize in that episode. I think you do. I think she was like, good job for apologizing. No, I mean, she was being nice. I appreciate your transparency. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what we're, you know, I mean, I don't. It is important to me to try and be factually correct. Look, we're going to get things wrong from time to time. Nikki and I are moving very quickly sometimes when we're doing the extra sugars, when we're gathering information, we work full-time jobs, we're human beings. Last time I checked, uh, there's still time. And so occasionally we're going to get things wrong. It's just going to happen. So, But that's part of the fun. We want you screaming in the cars. That's true. I do want that. Mm-hmm. I do want people screaming in their cars because that brings me joy. Oh, another person actually did uh, text me this week, my friend Taylor. And oh. she said that she was screaming at us in her car when we were talking about the frosted oranges at Varsity. But we oh. couldn't remember what they were called. Oh, gosh. I love it. So I, keep screaming, guys. Come on. We want to hear you from our house. That's right. So, uh... In, it, speaking of mistakes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> transition time. Speaking of mistakes, episode 19, uh, Mary Jo's dad dates Charlene. Uh-huh. Uh, the Hulu episode description. I mean, I don't know. Is there more than that? Uh, Mary Jo's dad dates Charlene. So when Mary Jo's father arrives in Atlanta for a visit and takes a fancy to Charlene, Mary Jo's imagination goes wild. Or her eyes are open. <laughs> but I'll be quiet. Go on. The air date was April 6, 1987. This one was written by LBT, and it was directed by Jack Shea. Do you remember if Jack Shea is a name we've heard before? I think it is, because I do try and write down little titty bitties. Nope. Mm. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) I wish I caught myself before that. (laughs) You do. I really do, too. That doesn't happen often. Tid bits. (laughs) Jeez. I'm sorry, guys. I don't know. It's a different spelling, and all. But fairness. you don't you don't yeah. remember off the top of your head. Mm-mm. I feel like he was a Gilmore Girls man. Oh well, I'll come back and let you know next time. Perfect. <laughs> Catch us on episode twenty when I apologize again. <laughs> do you have any trivia on this one? That's my favorite part. I do have some trivia, but I I don't know. It's it's super exciting. Um, but Dan Dillon is an actor who appears in this episode and he's going to come back and he will be in another episode in season five uh no spoilies he is the best looking man on earth we'll get into it we'll get into it so for act one Mm -hmm. i think in this act we get really two significant plot lines just back up pull up here and up here these are our two plot lines one charlene's on the hunt Mm. That's Mm -hmm. it. On the hunt for a man. Mm -hmm. Needs for a man. Anthony is up to something. And related to one of those, you decide which one. Mary Jo's dad is coming into town. Could go either way. I'm going to leave you in suspense. Okay. So those are the big (laughs) two plot lines that are running through this act. So the cold open has Suzanne at a typewriter writing up sorority recommendations. Um, These are, as we'll get into this weekend, extra sugar. Uh, recommendation letters recommending some quote-unquote unattractive women to her <laughs> sorority. Mm-hmm. She and Julia exchanged some barbs about sororities with a little bit of a missing script alert. Did you catch this one? I did, yeah. What did Julia get kicked out of her sorority for? Uh, Well, she didn't wear a girdle on campus. Um, mm, so I'm with you. 
God. And I wouldn't be wearing no girdle on campus um, or at home or anywhere else. <laughs> I don't even like the word girdle is terrible. It's not a good word. Yeah. It was not a good marketing strategy. Um, and then also Suzanne thinks that was an excuse. She thinks she actually got kicked out because of what she said to the president at the time. She's told her that you look like you were weaned on a pickle. <laughs> and can't you just see Julia saying it? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, is there anything else in this sort of opening, this cold open about the sorority that you want to comment on? No, just that I'm excited to stick around for your extra sugar. It's exciting. It's going to be a good one. Uh, so then Charlene comes in and she's got a poster mm. of a man. Of a mice. Mm-hmm. Well, but she has it, but we don't see the poster until she says some things. She, she says a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. she, she was um, scouring the aisles. Well, well, she starts with the fact that there's a man shortage in the world, and you read about it everywhere. But, well, and she's sick and tired of man crazy women. Right. Oh, yeah. Well, we should start there. It is really important. She is. It's yeah. true. She is. She's tired of man crazy women. Everywhere you turn, there's stories about how there's a man shortage. Women are like beating each other up over men, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So here she is minding her own business, being an independent woman, mm-hmm. going through the pick and save. Yeah. And I, this is me. I'm before the pick and save. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Yeah. Why are we always talking about men? Yeah. And then she finds a poster of the most attractive man in the world. Mm-hmm. And she says to herself, she says, Charlene, self, that is the most attractive man in the world. Mm-hmm. She pays a dollar for it, and she now has a poster of the most attractive man in the world. Mm-hmm. That's exciting. It didn't really make exciting. a lot of sense. Weird. <laughs> the line, the thread. Oh, it's lost. It. it was but it's weird. Charlene. I don't. I don't know. It was all weird. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, whatever. Uh, in the meantime, we get the subplot about Anthony. He gets a call from Mister Victor's dog grooming parlor. Sounds right. Did I get that right? Mm-hmm. Uh, cryptically, the caller says. Big Blue rolls tonight. It sounds exciting. It it does. I'm not sure it is, though. So um, then we find out that Mary Jo's dad has come to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wasn't going to tell. He was going to surprise her, but then he was afraid she'd be upset because he's divorced her from her mother. Mm-hmm. And he thinks she's still really upset about the divorce. I think she might be. She sort of alludes to the fact that she is a little bit. It's. It seems like um, we're being set up for some tension. Yeah. We're being primed. Being primed for something. So that's happening. Julia confronts Anthony about Big Blue. Turns out he's freelancing the van literally to a dog grooming parlor, allegedly. Mm-hmm. All around pets. I'm going to ask you this thing that I just tend to ask you from time to time. Do you believe this? Oh, that's a good... Well... Well, there's that whole bit where Suzanne talks about Consuela saying that something that he dropped off that was like some kind of furniture smelled like animals. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, the message doesn't really make any sense, right? Big right. blue rolls tonight. Right. Is this possible why, why, why Julia was being such a snide butthead then? I, I believe it's absolutely why she was being that so, way. So, okay, okay. So I can like... Oh, man, I feel like I was being really naive. Well, as they reconcile that plot line later, which we can get into, it just feels, something feels weird about it. It feels like he knows he's talking about something. She knows he's talking about something. But they're both coding it with dog grooming. Okay, so this plot line is reconciled? Oh, well, no, not really. 
Oh, not fully. Okay, we'll just is that later in the it's episode? later in the okay. episode. Okay, we'll get we'll get there, guys. We're gonna get into it. It's forgettable. Uh, so let's see. Then Mary Jo's dad arrives. Mm-hmm. Um, did you look this actor up? I actually do not think I did. <sighs> Can I drop some knowledge on you, please? He's Juliet Lewis's dad. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. He's actually been in a lot. I don't have any of it written down, uh-huh. but he's a pretty <laughs> prolific actor. Uh. He's he was he's uh-huh. passed away since, oh. but he's Juliet Lewis's dad, which I thought was the most interesting thing. That is really most interesting huh. from my perspective. Yeah. Now this is for folks who don't know who that is. I, the first um, she's been in a lot of things, but I think Cape Fear, mm. um, and then uh, the other sister is a standout for me. Gosh, that'll just if you want to you know just wipe your eyeballs out of your head there's a good movie for you watch um, the breast cancer scare episodes of designing women followed by uh the episode about suzanne adopting the little girl and then watch the other sister right if you want to just have a cry fest uh juliet is not in the designing women episode so no sorry she's not there i'm uh, just priming you just for, if you want, for a good a crying, crying. <laughs> yeah uh so anyway i want to drop that knowledge on you i that's awesome uh so charlene hasn't met mary joe's dad which i find interesting because I made the comment that Mary Jo hadn't met Charlene's family. So I'm just coming for full circle to say Charlene hadn't met Mary Jo's dad. So maybe they're not as close as I thought they were. Yeah. I can live with it. Yeah. I can live with it. There's some chemistry. There's chemistry between Mary Jo's dad and Charlene. Okay. How'd that, how'd that hit you? Well, I was going to ask you how that hit you. <laughs> I feel like you're more opinionated on it than I am. Or just life. Um, <laughs> so... I had I had different thoughts, but I I thought it was. I think if it hadn't been her dad, I would have thought it was like, oh, well, look at this little meat cute. But oh. it it's Mary Jo's dad, mm. and it's like, um, it's some pretty shameless flirting, mm-hmm. and so that it is a little creepy. But I think it's creepy because of the dad factor. I think I would so. I'm priming you because I know you did not love this episode, which we have not said yet, mm-hmm. but everything you've said to me leads me to believe you didn't love this episode. Mm. I was not super offended by this episode. Mm-hmm. Was it the best episode? No. Was it the worst episode? No. We can get into rating later. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying I didn't hate this episode. I think knowing that Charlene had never met Mary Jo's dad made it less creepy to me. It's not like you growing up with your best friends. Right. And, him and then knowing this happened. At like 10 years old or something like They've that. They've never met. Mary Jo's a full, I mean, Charlene's a full grown woman. It's still weird for me. I don't know. I'm, the, I, I, I mean, I, it would be weird if it happened to me in real life. Uh huh. In the show, it wasn't weird. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I definitely agree that, thank goodness, I would have been uber creeped out. If, like, they had been childhood friends. Oh, yeah. No, that would have been inexcusable. Uh, yeah, that's some American beauty stuff that I'm just that not ready weird. for. Yeah. That's weird. Um, so I was struck by a couple of other things in this scene. Because mm-hmm. we're pretty much, this pretty much wraps pretty it much up, it. right? Yep. I mean, but, okay. I don't really like it when full-grown women call their fathers daddy. Oh. Daddy. Like, I don't, mm. <laughs> I don't love it. Anyways, if you do that, it's fine. I'm, I'm. I just, it's again, it's not for me. Um, also, oh, I guess we should say that, like, they're going to go on a date. He, oh. This is the cringiest part of the episode to me is uh, 
Mary Jo and JD are taking her dad out to dinner Mm -hmm. and he says well something like you'll need to make a reservation for four of us or something like that and she's like four there's only three I know how to do math and he's like no there's four of us because it's you JD me and my date dad what date what date are you ringing and he says well I was hoping Charlene might come with me but did he even say that episode or was he like Charlene's coming (laughs) (laughs) which was my final thought which was like he just kind of announces it Instead of like even does any asking. Oh, really? I, I felt like he asked. And that well, now I'm feeling kind of weird about it. And I'm going to have to go back and look. <laughs> um, but it, but it was, I mean, even if he did say like, I'm hoping she's going to go with me. Then he's talking about her in third person in front of Charlie. That was weird. The whole thing is like, I'll give you, I, I will know. give you the third person being weird. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, that's what I wanted to ask you is I wanted to get your first reactions to, um, Mary Jo's dad in this situation with Charlene. So not a fan. Got it. Let's move on. (laughs) Okay. Well, Nikki did some real time investigating. (laughs) (laughs) And I just want to say that like, okay, uh, she pulled up the script for us to take a really quick look at while also podcasting. Come on, guys. Where else can you get a show like this? (laughs) Um, Anyways, I just want to say that Charlene, um, not Charlene's dad, but Mary Jo's dad was not. It was it was much kinder the way that he threw it to to Charlene to go out on a date. It wasn't like you're gonna go out on a date with me. And he threw her over his shoulder and ran out the door. <laughs> uh, uh, let's go. <laughs> All right. <laughs> There's a little grunting for you. Do with that what you will. Um, <laughs> so I just want to say as we go into the next scene, for me this is a nightmare situation. <laughs> To be on which a, part? <laughs> well, to be on a double date with my father and my father being on a date with my best friend. Oh, okay. In a dance club. No, no, no. A discotheque. A discotheque. We've revisited the discotheque again. We're somewhere. <laughs> it's some. Uh, so um, this whole scene is a lot. Yeah. Have we said his name? No. Okay, his name's Davis. So mm-hmm. we'll we'll alternate between Mary Jo's dad and Davis. But Davis, I think we have to use Davis right now because Davis and Charlene are really cutting a rug. <laughs> They're cutting lots of rugs. They're doing something to the rug. I don't know what's happening. Um, There's it's, like slow dancing and then fast dancing. And JD is giving commentary along the way, which is making me deeply uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, Mary Jo and JD are on the, they're doing that thing that like, they're, they're not dancing. No. (laughs) They're just sitting there. And I think Mary Jo is in a little place I like to call denial. Um, She hasn't really come around to the fact that this is like a thing that's happening. Right. You know? Um, And, uh, but Davis and Charlene, they're really living it up. He's breaking out those chubby checker moves. There was this one. Is this what you're... I don't know. I don't know that reference. The one where he's doing his arms and he's squirming down. That's the one. Oh, my gosh. It. I can't not laugh every time I see it. I, yeah, Chubby Checker's the twist. Okay. I had, to, I, had to, I had to double check myself. I don't want to have to apologize again in the episode. <laughs> but don't worry, guys. I caught those sleek dance moves in a boomerang, which we can share on social media. Because I can't... I mean, if you're having a bad day... Watch this dance move, and it will change your entire attitude. It was like the twist, but he forgot. 
how it went exactly. I, I'm fascinated that you interpret that as the twist because it was like a sawing motion. There were legs. There was going. I, hmm. Yeah, it was like somebody. Yeah, it was like dad dancing twist. But I'm gonna have to look at the boomerang again while we're talking. <laughs> oh, it's 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 really it's a real sight, guys. It is. Um, but they, but they're also doing like these slow dances. They're having some serious conversation yes. and he's telling her about his time in the war. He was in world war two and you're looking at me like you don't, do you not recall this? I do recall this. Oh, okay. The part I'm trying to remember, she jumped real quick to world war two. And I got to tell you, it's hard for me to say, cause in 2021, if someone's dad told me they were in the war, I wouldn't jump to world war two. It just feels very far back in time to have gone. So in my mind, she was like, she might as well have said like the Civil War. Oh. She was like, World War II? Oh, 1812? Like, really? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think there was actually, there was another trivia point that said that he would have, like based on his real life age, he would have been 10 years old. Okay. Uh, that makes me feel better. Uh-huh. I didn't do the math. Every time I watched the episode, and it was I only watched this one two or three times. Every time I watched it, I stopped at that line. And I was like, Charlene, really? You just assume World War, like couldn't have been Vietnam? And I was thinking, is he old enough for Vietnam? Or, or young enough, I guess? Yeah, I, I think he was just in a weird in-betweeny age. Mm. And so, but they did make up something to kind of cover for it. He said that um, he enlisted before he was 18. Right. Um, but also he's talking about like his long lost love from that time and how Charlene reminds him of her, la, la, la. He got a purple heart. And these are things that Mary Jo doesn't know anything about. Right. And the reason I bring that up is because... It becomes really clear to me that there are some pretty, not over, not something that can't be overcome, but there are some serious communication challenges between he and his daughter. Mm. And I think like this is LBT's way of kind of showing that to us. Like for whatever reason, why would he tell her about that? Mm. Like this has nothing to do with Mary Jo. Mm -hmm. And I do think that sometimes the way the parent child dynamic works right and i also think though probably even more so then mm-hmm. i think that you know people were taught to keep certain walls up mm-hmm. so i just thought that was kind of an interesting aspect to this for me i don't know that i've ever had a conversation with my parents about like long lost loves or certainly like someone who was in the world war doesn't really talk about their war experience with their kids that's like a, a line drawn in the sand because they saw things they weren't happy about. Um, so I wasn't terribly surprised by that other than the, the purple heart feels like something Mary Jo would have known about. I feel like I know about all of my mom and dad's exes. Oh, well. <laughs> They're just verbal. <laughs> You're an open family. Love you guys. They're verbal. Um, and uh, so for me, I have like a, pr- like, I know a lot. Uh, I know a lot. So in some cases, one might describe that I know too much. Um, so, uh, but hey, takes all kinds, right? <laughs> Love you, mom. Love you, dad. Um, Mary Jo and JD decide to leave. And um, basically her dad's like, don't wait up. Right. And um, we get back to Mary Jo's house. All of us. We're all there. Right. Can't you feel it in the air? <laughs> um, and we learn really quickly. It's 1.30. He still hasn't made it back. And Mary Jo is very flustered. Mm-hmm. JD is not. 
Mm-mm. He's like asleep on the couch. Mm-hmm. Like, He's like, can we go to bed yet? Yeah, your dad is a grown up. Right. And he can take care of he himself. He was in World War II. Right. <laughs> he fought a war. <laughs> he can okay. find the key under the mat. You know what I'm saying, Mary <laughs> Jo? So all this I do kind of agree with. I do think that like maybe JD could have. I'm, I'm glad that he didn't rile her up. I think probably the scariest couples are the one where the other person doesn't calm the person. <laughs> but instead they just throw gas on that fire you didn't see that happening at the club when jd was like he looks like he's having a good time he looks like he's pretty comfortable holding her oh the early gas yes (laughs) the kindling if you will i i think yeah i guess i thought of that as more of like teasing yeah but i it's a kindling yeah (laughs) i'll never make this move again (laughs) with my fingers sorry um and he does make this argument here, though, that I wanted to talk about. He says he's a red-blooded, a red-blooded American man who just happens to be single, and that's a fact whether he's 20 or 80. Okay. <laughs> Simmer down. But he doesn't have to date someone at least 25 years younger than him. And even though whatever, we've talked about the age difference before, age is just a number. I understand that attraction is attraction, and I'm not trying to, like, go all ageist, and that is a trite argument, you know, and another podcast. Um, But, again, like, it doesn't have to be her best friend Mm. that he suddenly decides to latch on. Let's even put that to the side. Let's go with with your theory, which is, like, he didn't know her when she was 10, so it's cool. Mm -hmm. And... It's still her coworker. Mm. That mm-hmm. could get messy. That's God, not smart. Selena, you were standing in the way of romance. I, I don't just, understand. Just, this is true love. Well, I hate true love. So this is true love. This is this is fate. You can't stand in the way of fate. I know. I'm sorry. I'm such a such a Selena Downer. Um, so the whole scene ends. Sally's sad sack. Oh, I like that so much. <laughs> and that's what makes me not a Sally sad sack. <laughs> that's delightful. Um, I love it. I'm going to get a t-shirt. Um, so the whole scene ends with her on the phone with her sister. And she's basically like, dad's lost his mind. And I mean, not, couldn't you have waited till the next day? Definitely. How mad would you be? A hundred percent. If like, I don't have a sibling, but I'm telling you that I'd be ready to smack them around. Wait, if, so it's one o'clock in the morning. Yeah. You do not have a dead body. Right. Dad was fine when you left him. Right. He's with your best friend. They need to revisit their rules for their spouses. Gosh, no kidding. No kidding. This is just not something that really rises to the level of let's have a one o'clock, one thirty, two o'clock in the morning conversation. Amen. We did get another cut scene. Did you find this? I did. Okay. You do you you want to tell us a little bit about it? What struck you or? Yeah. So this, I think when they were the part that was cut was Charlene and Pops uh, Davis. Oh, Poppy Pop. (laughs) They were talking about the girl from the war that he um, that was his like true love. Mm -hmm. She died. Um, he says that then he met Mary Jo's mom. She grounded him and got him through medical school. Charlene makes him feel like he's known her forever. And, um, she thanks him for being a good friend. I took away from it that she friend zoned him. Zoned, zoned, zoned. Mm. Charlene said, oh yeah, I love hearing all these old romantic stories about the world's best war. You're the best friend I've ever had. And like all my best friends, I'm going to open mouth kiss you (laughs) and dance with you until two o'clock in the morning with our bodies rubbing up against each other because that's what I do with my friends. I don't They weren't rubbing when they were doing this. (laughs) That's true. Um, 
so I just had a thought mm-hmm. um, that this whole dreamer line, because he, he says he and the girl who died that he was in love with, they were both dreamers. Oh, uh-huh. And I'm suddenly hearkening back to episode... Nashville Bound. You got it. Mm-hmm. And what did Charlene say? She said she's, she's a dreamer, dreamer like her mom. mom. So, so you're thinking her mom and Mary Jo's dad should get together? Well, that might cause another problem. <laughs> And she's a little old for Davis. <laughs> ah, he should dress up in a fuller brushman costume, <laughs> go by the door. They can do, do some really sexy role playing. Ah, you guys, I really wish I could get da- uh, Nikki dancing for you on this because this is great. She's recreating those moves, but we'll share those with you. Um, but yeah, so that was an interesting cut scene that I think really gives us something that otherwise we wouldn't have had. This last little bit of the show is all about Mary Jo's unresolved Ted issues and a confrontation with Charlene is how I would summarize it. Mm. And I say that because... There's a confrontation with Charlene, Charlene mm-hmm. in which she brings up the Suzanne Ted thing again. Mm-hmm. There's a confrontation with her father about Charlene. And then there's resolution. So I just think that there is this thing simmering with Mary Jo that she is just not over the Ted Suzanne thing. Mm-hmm. So this episode kind of ping pongs between Sugar Bakers, Mary Jo's house, and Sugar Bakers. Mm-hmm. When it first opens up, they're at Sugar Bakers. And Suzanne, <laughs> I, I bet you enjoyed this part. There was a really funny interaction between Suzanne and Anthony about Gone with the Wind. Mm-hmm. Um, it's she- in my rating. Oh, okay. No, we can talk about it now, though. There's not that much to say. It's just Suzanne sort it's of funny. opining about Gone with the Wind and what a romantic time period it was and how wonderful and how genteel everyone was. And Anthony says, like, yeah, times were different for my people. And she has no idea. Go straight over her head. I don't even know. I just don't think she cares. Right. But um, so I did actually write this one down. Um, She says, don't you just love that period of history? And Anthony says, "Uh, no, actually, my people did not enjoy the Civil War very much. (laughs) (laughs) And she wants to know if he'd be interested in calling her Miss Suzanne, (sighs) Miss Julia. So that part, I was like, oh, God, Suzanne, just shut up. Stop talking. Yeah, yeah, just just shut your mouth. I appreciate how Anthony's just like, no, I've never considered that. And I, just, and I think and it, 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 this is just another one of those times where I, he's so good and he's just so tragically underused so far. Yeah. But again, we have to remember he was only supposed to be on five episodes, so they're probably trying to figure out what to do with him now. Um, and that's probably hard to do on the fly. Well, I don't know if we've ever talked about this before, but the episodes were filmed in a different order. (laughs) So I actually Uh, wonder, and I bring that up in all seriousness, because I wonder if they've sprinkled Anthony into later episodes after he was so successful early. Like, I'm just curious because that last episode we watched the scene, the setting, what do you call it? the um, set was so very different than even this episode. And so it tells me they were filmed probably at different points in time. And I just wonder if Anthony has tried to, like he was not really a super well-developed character, but they really liked him. So they sprinkled him throughout the whole season. So he had some representation. Theory based on nothing. I'll take a theory based on nothing. Well, there's some, the set dressing being different. That's true. That's true. Um, Do you have anything else there? 
No, sorry. I took us way off track. <laughs> Apologies. So I was going to go into this confrontation with Charlene. That sounds good. Um, I mean, not the confrontation. but It wasn't good. She lost her mind a little bit. She went Mary a little crazy. Jo? Yeah. Uh, well, she... When you... When it comes in on Mary Jo, you can just see that she's about to be in breakdown mode. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of, it's written all over her face. What sets her off is that Charlene comes in late Mm -hmm. and she says, well, of course you were out till 2 a.m. dancing with my dad. Again. Again. Yeah. So this has been going on a few nights. Mm -hmm. Um, We get mention of old man underwear again. We just can't go an episode without talking about it. I don't, what's happening? I guess that's the only indicator of sex is whether or not she saw his underwear. I, and for all we know, this might be the closest that they could get to having that kind of talk. I, like, maybe they talked about some things. I feel it. Like, I don't. Maybe. Yeah. Um, I leave you with old man underwear. Um, she brings up Ted hey. and Suzanne again. So this mm-hmm. is where you realize, like, she still hasn't gotten over what happened really early on in the season. Uh huh. Um, she basically says, like. There are millions of men around the world. Why are you pilfering from my... Billions. Billions. What does she say? Why are you pilfering from my drawers? She said, how come they keep raiding my... Or how come they keep raiding my house? Oh, I just made up like lingerie drawer. In my head, that's what she said. What? Panty raid? (laughs) Is that what you're thinking of? I don't know. Harkening back to your sorority days. (laughs) So she slings, in my opinion, a few low blows. I am, I'm somewhere, I think I'm on Anthony's train. Because when Anthony leaves, he's like, you're making good points. And he walks out the door. He's like, I don't want to be involved, but I'm going to drop a bomb on the way out. No, right. <laughs> he's saying Mary Joe's making good points. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But I mean, what she says is she says she's sick and tired of everyone around here going after all the men in her life. I mean, it is statistically significant <laughs> that now there's four women in this office. Three are not hers. Two of the women have been out with two of the men who have played significant roles. I mean, I in her life, I mean, I'm not a mathematician. I don't know, man. She hooked her up with JD. Oh, Suzanne hooked her up with JD. So I just think they keep a small social circle. <laughs> There's just not a lot of people around there. <laughs> Atlanta was much smaller it was back a small then. town. Yeah. It was just on a small studio lot in Burbank, California. <laughs> um, so it, it was a little bit of an ugly conversation. But Charlene was making some really good points, too. Mm, you thought so? I did. Because, you know, she defends herself. Like, nothing is happening. You know, and I've already made my feelings known. If you're going out and dancing with someone until 2 o'clock in the morning and open mouth kissing them, I mean, we don't know that's happening. I was going to say, there was no open mouth kissing. Don't don't perpetuate that we, myth. We just know that's how she kisses her friends. That's what she did with Paul. Can I say, so as Mm. you're saying this, it's hitting me why this episode doesn't bother me. Mm -hmm. Because I mentioned in the... Because you open mouth kiss all your friends? All of them. Mm -hmm. All of them. I just think it's just a thing. It's polite. One after the next. In the missing script alert from that discotheque scene, Mm -hmm. she friend zoned him. She clearly said, like, you're such a good friend to me. And we don't know that because we didn't get to see that scene. But I think for Charlene, this really is like she has met someone that is just interesting to her. He has really good stories. He has this cool life he's lived. I don't feel anything romantic on her side of things. I think you and I read that missing script and saw two, two different very things. different. Th- I saw them like leaned up against the outside of the, the bar 
Um, it's like dark and there's like just a little bit of light coming down. There's like a steam rolling across because oh. it's humid in oh the midnight hours of Atlanta. And like they're real close to each other and they're having this conversation. And I think you're picturing them in like a cafeteria. There's like the really blaring light overhead. I was thinking Charlene's picking her teeth and she's like, tell me more. What is this woman like? Just, she just, yeah, could you run my bunion for just a second too while you're talking? Well, that's just a fast forward in a relationship is <laughs> right. all. So she wants to get married. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I'm not feeling anything romantic I, on his side for sure. Yeah, on her side not for sure. Yeah. Um. So I'm having a really hard time. She getting is mad just at very at Charlene. Yeah, she is just very flirty. I'm. I'm not mad at her. I'm not. You seem, you all seem of really these people mad. are characters. You I, seem really mad, Selena. I am, You're um, yelling. I'm sorry. No. Um. Actually, I thought that Charlene does the smartest thing here, which is she points her back to her dad mm-hmm. she says you need to go talk to him yeah and that's what sort of hit me here is that i think that something that you and i do have in common about this episode is we all know that everything that's happening on the surface mm-hmm. has nothing to do with this right and i think that um it's very clear that like i said earlier mary joe and her dad do not talk Mm-hmm. And what I think is highly unfair here, uh, I've got a lot of hand gestures going on here, guys. Um, what I think is highly unfair is that she's obviously angry with her father about the divorce. And so I know you're mentioning Ted as a, as a through line in all this. And mm-hmm. he definitely is. Mm-hmm. And that is an issue. But I think the daddy issues even supersede, mm-hmm. the precede and supersede. That's a good point. Um, the Ted issues. I'll give you that. And I think that that is um, very unfair for her to take those emotions and spew that over everyone in the office. And not spew. <laughs> okay. I've got nothing but terrible words in this episode. You're welcome. <laughs> um, but it's really unfair. And I also feel like even today, Men many times get away with things because there is a perceived power imbalance and that sometimes leaves women to feel like they can't stand up to a man Mm. because that's not right. Mm. Um, Excuse me, not because that's not, that is not right for that power imbalance to be there. Mm. Um, And I think it's even more complicated because there is a power imbalance in this situation. It's her dad. Right. And that was an authority figure at some level in her life. Mm -hmm. Um. So there's that. So Charlene points her back to her dad. This bounces this back to Mary Jo's house Mm -hmm. to her dad. Um, It looks like he's maybe packing and getting ready to leave. And she confronts him. This is why we call you the queen of transitions. (laughs) (laughs) Where we are now. Just starting now. (laughs) Okay, perfect. Okay. I like it. Um, So they end up talking about the divorce. Mm -hmm. They end up, she puts it out there and just says... Not at first. Uh-oh. Well, so I, I'm going to say at first, she lies in the beginning and says she's not upset. Oh. And this is why, I think this is why it hit me so much more the next time I watched this episode. Um, was I'm like, I hated it. I watched it 12 times. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's research, guys. It's research. Um, you know, she is, she already has a lot of, we've laid this groundwork with Mary Jo that she has trouble confronting people. That she has um, trouble. She'll say like a snide comment, but in a healthy way. 
like truly letting someone knows how know how she feels. She really struggles with that. Mm. And I think that's what we see at the beginning of this last scene mm. with her and her father. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, she is she's like saying some passive aggressive things. But some of these things are not wrong. Because I think another thing that bothers me about the, she was so excited for her dad to come there. We didn't talk about that that much in the beginning, but one of the things that she says is like, um, you know, she's wanting the, all the other women in the office to, you know, talk me up, guys, talk me up. I'm so excited for my dad to be here, and he's never, you know, and all this stuff. So I, he's spending every night with Charlene. Mm-hmm. That's also not fair. Right. And I think that's something that's struck me as, as well. Well, Mary Jo's been a little bit of a wet blanket. I wouldn't want to spend time with her either. She's always yelling at him. Uh, no, she's yelling at him now. Right. Well, that's true. So it gets it gets pretty emotional. She sort of asks him, like, how could he have thrown away all those years with her mom? And this is after confirming that nothing has happened with Charlene. Oh, yeah. Because that's where this started. Has she seen your underwear? <sighs> yeah. Signs of a good time, guys. <laughs> and he said, no, I don't wear underwear. <laughs> um, so she has it in her head that they got divorced because he just gave up and just walked away or something. And he explains that it's just a little more nuanced than that. It's just they loved each other. They had a beautiful time together. It wasn't wasted time. It just had its time. And then it was time to move on. Um which was, I th- it was a nice conversation. My favorite part of the conversation was he- was when he actually reminded her that she's divorced. Mm-hmm. That was like almost mind blowing to me that, yeah, she was approaching this, like her, her divorce was irrelevant to any of this mm-hmm. and not part of this conversation. Yeah. And I, she was holding her parents to an unfair standard. Yeah. Um, I, do you want to know what my real thoughts were during this whole scene? I do. Um, no, I had to, lie to me. Force myself to listen. Oh. Because I was so bored with it. Yeah. I just didn't care. Yeah. I have nothing invested in this. I just wanted to be like, Mary Jo, it's time for therapy. Oh, that's a good point. We all need it. Yeah. And you're among us. So. She really needs it. Mm-hmm. She really needs it. He said the thing, fortunately, I think that good divorced parents say, which is like, it wasn't totally wasted time because if for no other reason than you're our child, we had you together. So if we hadn't been together, we might not have you. Well, we also got from that cut script before that, like, her mom was a big part of saving him. Right. So I think that he has a lot of admiration and love for Mary Jo's mom. I, yeah. And I think this probably was, if we'll acknowledge the time, um, we are just getting into an era, I think, in the where m- more people are getting divorced and not staying together. Mm-hmm. And I kind of think that, um, look, things don't always last. And I kind of think that this was a, um, a, a more beautiful way to look at it, to talk about, um, as much as I didn't, I didn't care, but it was, it was nice though. I think, um, to hear him talk about that time was still sacred mm-hmm. and it wasn't a waste. And they, it just sounds like they hadn't had that conversation. And I think Mary Jo needed closure. They haven't talked at all. Yeah. They've well, never talked as well. She iced like. him out is what it sounds like. Do you remember the Reba McIntyre song that, um, the greatest man I ever knew, never knew lived right mm-hmm. down the hall. Mm-hmm. I think, I think that happened a lot. And I think that happened a lot in the South. Yeah. And I think it, it was still happening in this era. Yeah. I think it still happens today. Yeah. Um, but, um, 
I also think that men are, with each generation, are being allowed to feel more. Yeah, we're pushing back on that concept of toxic masculinity. Yes. And that you are, by default, by um, nature of having a penis, you are not allowed to do X, Y, and Z. You're mm-hmm. not allowed to be sensitive. You're not allowed to own your emotions and feelings. And uh, I, th- I, do, I think that's changed a lot since certainly from Mary Jo's dad's time. Um, yeah. But even in like, you know, even with my own husband and the way that, you know, my husband approaches parenting and the way our friends' husbands approach parenting, it just feels really different. Yeah. And it almost like uh, men are more allowed to be comfortable in their own skin. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I had heard somebody say before, like, you know, boys are told all the time when they're younger, be tough, be tough, be tough, don't right. cry. Mm-hmm. And then when they get older and they get in relationships and women are like, why won't what? you cry? Why won't you ever show emotion? Right. You know, and so it's just, it just to say, I know we, we talk a lot about women's issues on this podcast, but everybody's got we all have issues we're all needing to go to therapy and on the next episode we're all gonna do therapy together (laughs) i'm just kidding we are not speaking of therapy and people who need it mary joe i think gets what she gets the closer closure she needs out of that conversation with her dad some Mm -hmm. sense of closure because she feels comfortable going back to her best friend in the whole world and apologizing Mm -hmm. and saying like i'm real sorry i messed up she apologizes like really apologizes she has a surprise. She does a really fantastic job. It's so cute. Okay. So then she brings in Charlene's man from the poster. Yeah. You hated this? I did. I, I hated the whole thing. Handsome or no? Oh, see, this is hard for me because this is a real human being, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. I yes, will say this. Wrong. I will say this. I was like, maybe I don't get it because the hair is so different at the time. It's like, but was that even popular in the 80s? I don't know. Did he look like Tom Selleck to you? Oh, he had a big mustache. I thought it was Tom Selleck. I mean. Both times when I saw the picture and then when he showed up in person, I thought, I was like, wow, they landed a really big star. Tom Selleck will be so glad to hear. Um, I thought this guy was like, the stature was way different. I definitely see how you think that was like a, like uh, someone who looks similar. But uh, this guy was much thinner, I think. Okay, so if we're not going to talk about the way he looks, can we then talk about... We're literally talking about the way he looks. Yeah, but not... not I'm oh, not, not get, the way you want to. get into the juicy stuff. Okay. Let's go to this question. Mm-hmm. What's the end game here? Oh, after they awkwardly shake hands. After the party, the after party. What comes next? Sex. (laughs) (laughs) Guilt-free sex. I just was like, so what, to what end? What's going to happen now with Tom Clarkson? Well, in four seasons and after Charlene's gone, he's going to come back. Oh, perfect. Okay. So we'll have some closure. Yeah, I don't know. It was weird. It was 1987. Right. Okay. (laughs) Every time something gets weird, that's what we're going to say. Did you think this is where that was going to go, though? Like, since they introduced it in the beginning of the show, we didn't talk about this. But when she gets that poster and Charlene and Suzanne are like drooling over this guy, he's the so hot. Hot. (laughs) hottest thing i've ever seen i think you're just saying hot because we're hot (laughs) well maybe um it's 
they introduced the fact that he's right here in Atlanta. But I did not necessarily think they were going to drag him in at the end. And I was just curious if you thought that was where I didn't think they were going to drag him in. I knew something. I figured something else maybe would come up. I I didn't figure it would be. It was so awkward. This was a real cringe scene for me. It's just that it was right up there with with the dancing. (laughs) The dancing. So you guys know. Um, Yeah. And also, like, I will be so frustrated if I work there and somebody brought in a poster of a person. To hang in the office for no oh. reason. No, there was a reason. I mean, because he's so sexy. I just think in an interior design firm where they're trying to convince people they can decorate your house. You don't want a pick and save poster. A dollar pick and save poster. Mm-hmm. Maybe Not the, the $10 one. Yeah. Fortunately, the episode ends. <laughs> <That's-> <laughs> Fortunately, right about the time I start scratching myself because I feel so uncomfortable. We have one more missing line. And let me tell you why I think... Okay, well, let me tell you what it is. Okay, perfect. And then I'm going to tell you why I think it was a good cut. (laughs) (laughs) Except, like, I wish this whole thing had been cut. Um, So Mary Jo passes along a message from her dad, which harkens back to the beginning of the episode, because basically she tells Charlene to expect some black market orchids. Oh, 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 darn it. I missed that. You're right. And that get get out i know and that um but so that's like a callback to this woman that he loved Mm because that's a story that he told on the dance floor and she asked charlene to reconfirm that nothing happened Mm. that's why i think it's a good cut yeah because she does this grand apology right and then she's like but did you sleep with him but really did you see his underwear right um i start asking people that did you see his underwear so you're just Really trying to spend some time with HR this year is what you're trying to tell me. (laughs) (sighs) Well, and that's the end of that episode, so good riddance. Nikki, Mm -hmm. let's rate this sucker. Let's do it. Let's get it out of the way. You got a rating scale? I do. do. Okay, what do you call this? The dance move. Have y'all ever seen the the, uh, Rock'em Sock'em? (laughs) <laughs> Isn't that what those things are called? Yes. They rock em, sock em okay. Or if you've seen Kevin McAllister in Home Alone 2, <laughs> I'm trying to think of like how to describe this to you. And so he's like, he does the thing where he sets up behind the shower curtain right. to make it look we like someone's in there. Who can really do the cool jerk. <laughs> uh, that is the dance that Nikki's doing right now. But it's the dance that Dr. Jackson... Davis Jackson. Yes. Mary Jo's dad did on the dance floor with Charlene. That's my rating skill. But you don't have a name for it. I don't. <laughs> Can we could just call it the chubby checker? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm going to give it two chubbies. <laughs> that's everything I wanted and more. I am going to go with the chubby scale because <laughs> my scale is not going <laughs> to. That was Nikki that did that. I just, you know, that wasn't me. Um, Two of them. (laughs) Let's give her 15 minutes, y'all. She's going to be saying all kinds of stuff. Uh, Walk us through that. I didn't hate this episode. I really did. But you gave it a two. Go on. (laughs) Yeah. Well, some people might say that two chubbies is good. (laughs) Two chubbies seems sometimes better than one chubby. Going Um, all the way in. Um, I didn't think this was a horrible episode. It was just a filler. It was a filler episode. 
Um, the dancing, man. I cannot get over that discotheque scene. And I'm going to watch that boomerang of him dancing for the rest of my life. So um, it was just cringy. The whole episode was cringy. This was one of those, I think you mentioned, the one of the last episodes we recorded. Um, we have to watch these a couple of times. And mm-hmm. sometimes you start to watch it and you're like, God, I really don't want to watch this one again. That's what this one was for me. Yeah. Um, I, so I gave it a one. Oh my. Just one chubster. Is this your first chub? Um, <laughs> your first one chub. I can't even tell if you did that on purpose or not. <laughs> is this your first one? I think it is. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm trying to figure out how to answer this question and not make it worse than it is. Um, so it, it, it's, uh, it may be the second time. <laughs> This is my fault. Um, <laughs> my actual scale of initially was red-blooded American men, but yours is <laughs> so much better. Yet somehow related. Uh, yet somehow <laughs> the two have a connection. So this was not, this wasn't the episode for you. No, I, I feel guilty saying this, but I've been saying it the whole time. So I just didn't care about this plot. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think part of it is as well, it was like maybe a big watershed moment to talk about divorce in 1987 in like a deep way. I, my parents have been divorced since I was two. I got, I don't. 1987. <gasps> What? What? Oh, that's a good connection. Um, so I'm sorry. I think you mean 1998. That's what I meant. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's I don't. What I, meant. I don't do that with my age, you guys. I'm 36, and I'm okay with it. Um, I mean, I'm not okay with it, but I'm not gonna say I'm 26 because that's ridiculous. It also, feels like a lot of work. You gotta go get Botox. And make was, sure your grays are covered. I was thinking the math. Oh right, feels like too. a lot of work. Um, but yeah, so I just like meh. Uh, also, they're bringing this character in. We we don't get to meet him for a long time. He spends most of that time dancing. And, and thank God for that. Yeah. And so it's hard for me to become emotionally invested in this heart-to-heart that we work towards yeah. at the end. I'm just not into it. Yeah. Um, there was also a lot of little things in the episode that I didn't think worked very well. If it had been like one alone or even two, I would have been okay with that. But altogether, it just... I don't know. It just, it, it made it a less um, enjoyable watch. Anthony freelancing the van with no payoff whatsoever. Mm. Just is not a good use of him. Mm-hmm. Oh, what was the button on that scene or on that plot line? You know, after you said that, I realized I don't think there is one. She told it, but it just stops there, right? Y- yes. Okay. I thought but I missed talk- something. Were we talking about this on mic or off mic? We were talking about this on mic. On mic. That it's, is this real or not? Yeah. And so I, I think the button was just like Julia kind of asserting, hey, this is my business. This is my van. Whatever's happening after hours, pets or no pets, needs to stop happening. Mm-hmm. And Anthony basically looks at her and says like, I hear you. It'll stop. Which is why I felt like there was something else under all of that. So you doing that and giving it that depth makes me like that more for some reason. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think it shows some really interesting side of their characters. Mm -hmm. Um, But still, we don't... That's more payoff. But let's just say if it was really the dog grooming business... What, what are we end? doing? Yeah. Um, Charlene going on that tear at the beginning about how there's more than life to a man. And then she's like, here, a man. Right. Uh, it's, uh, God, it's spoiling my mind. And then 
everyone was being inappropriate in my mind. So <laughs> it's just a lot of inappropriate. Yeah. Her dad shouldn't have asked Charlene out in my opinion. I didn't really understand that move. Charlene should not have been. It's one thing if she's interested in him, that's fine. She wants to spend time with him. There's something about him that just really does it for her. Um, it, but like, don't stay out with your friend's dad till two in the morning mm. if they're not there. Mm-hmm. Like, it just it just feels cringy to me. Mm. Um, Mary Jo should not be taking her anger at her father out on her best friend, mm-hmm. and JD should not be excusing Mary Jo's dad. Mm. So I just felt like it was like a domino of wrongness to yeah. me. Um, no one, it didn't feel like really anybody was being their best selves. Um, and then that gone with the wind conversation was the one saving grace. So Mm. what I'm trying to say is that's the only one. That's why it got one. Right. And, uh, it was Anthony because he's always saving the day. Right. So there's that. It's true. Eighties things. I had a typewriter, disco Mm -hmm. ball, and Tom Clarkson's mullet and mustache being considered attractive. <laughs> so you're trying to say you're not a mullet woman. I'm not a mullet woman. Okay. Um, well, that's all right. I had all different things. Oh, good. So yeah, uh, the man shortage. Oh. So mm-hmm. this kind of is a callback to what we talked about in ep- episode five's extra sugar, and it relates to like these scare tactic stories the media rolls out occasionally to make women feel inadequate. It's a good time. Right. Um, so don't worry, guys. It still happens. And um, and then I had break dancing on that. On oh, here. yeah. Good call. That's what Mary Jo describes her dad doing. He is. I'm so I'm also like Mary Jo. You do not know what break dancing is. <laughs> I, I appreciate your enunciation. Break dancing. <laughs> break dancing. Um, so she couldn't call oh, it. The sorry. Home, she couldn't call it home aloneing, which is what he was actually doing. <laughs> so. We go with breakdancing. It was too soon. Uh, Southern things. I had Mary Jo calling her mom, Mama, and Gone with the Wind. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I had <laughs> calling your dad, Daddy. <laughs> um, my note says, seems very Southern to me. I don't do it. <laughs> just I'm just trying to bust up those Southern stereotypes. <laughs> Some of us just say, Dad. Just saying. Um, describing sugar bakers as dandy. That's what um, her dad says, Davis. Oh. He said, I just, da- it's just dandy. Mm. And I thought that sounded very Southern. Uh, Mary Jo says about Charlene and her dad that you couldn't get the crack of dawn between them. And that sounded very Southern to me. Along with the Gone with the Wind reference, Civil War brings up some Southern stuff, I think. <laughs> and then also this stereotype that is is really what Suzanne is referring to, which is that this in the antebellum period that people just being so polite and so genteel. Okay. <laughs> um, what about references you had to look up? I had to look up Lawrence Welk and his champagne lady. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Lawrence Welk had a TV show from 1951 to 1982 um, where he just played music. It was called champagne music. It was like a music variety show. Um, and he had a champagne lady who was the lead female vocalist who he would draft to dance with him. Um, I don't know. Just FYI, the idea of watching people dance on TV is just hard for me to imagine. 
I know there's like Dancing with the Stars, mm-hmm. but there there feels like a draw there, you know, like c- celebrities or former celebrities, just watching a man and a woman dance. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, so I had to look that one up. Well, you, you know, first there had to be TV, then you had to watch something on it. That's true. <laughs> um, I also had to look up this quote that her dad had that uh, Mary Jo always gives him the look Eleanor Roosevelt used to have when she came up from the coal mines. Oh, uh-huh. I had to look that up. Okay, what'd you find out? Eleanor <laughs> Eleanor Roosevelt toured the coal mines. Okay. Um, she wasn't happy about it, I would She was think. not. She was the first first lady, in a lot of ways, the first first lady to do anything beyond like hosting social events and being kind of like a face for the administration. She actually took very seriously the role and wanted to make a difference mm-hmm. um, and kind of carved out a role for herself. And so touring the coal mines, a lot of people saw that as a really unbecoming thing for her to have done. Why would a lady go down in the coal mines? It's actually mm-hmm. considered bad luck for women to be in coal mines. In offices. <laughs> <laughs> um so she a lot of people actually believe that she was the first woman to ever go underground in Appalachia. Oh. Because there was that superstition that women being in the coal mines was uh uh bad luck and that it would bring bad luck on the on the coal mine. Oh. Um so anyway, while she Not was... the coal mining. Right. right. Not the coal dust, right. not the black lung, but right. the ladies. Got it. It's right, all right, those right. vaginas down there just making so, things tight. <laughs> right. That's the problem. You know the old saying, it's the vagina in the coal mine, not the canary in the coal mine. So while she was visiting the coal mine, she discussed wages and safety and other workplace right issues, workplace rights issues uh, with the employees, and then later became an advocate for worker protections, including unions communist so all of that to say when she came up from the coal mine she probably had a pretty unpleasant look on her face yeah that's um i do not think she's a communist by the way that was tongue-in-cheek i want to be very cautious about that um i think she's a very fascinating person mm-hmm. um i'm so glad that you looked into that um i kind of assumed that it was something in that vein but mm-hmm. i didn't realize all that other backstory to that um, I have just like, she, everything I've ever heard or read about her is just like, she must be the most pure heart. Mm-hmm. Um, including the fact that she, I think she would, um, go in and she would read the mail that came in that mm. was addressed to her, which I know sounds silly, like, Oh, big deal. But she would go through and then she would like, she was just, I th- it's something about like, Letters would come in from people asking for things that they needed because they didn't have enough. Mm. And she just took that um, part of her job very seriously of making sure like she would fulfill those needs. So if they said they needed a coat, then she would make sure, gosh darn it, that they got some coats for that family Mm. or whatever the case was. And it was just, and she just, she just sounds like a really beautiful person. So I had to look up pick and save. No, I mean, like, I got what it was, but, like, I don't, I, like, obviously, I've heard of pick and saves, you know, I was thinking in the piggly, piggly, wiggly, hoggly, woggly kind of vein. So, I looked it up, too, actually, I should have put it here, that's a good call. I looked it up because I thought it was Southern, found out it wasn't, closed it down. Ah. (laughs) So, okay, well, that was all my references that I had to look up, so, guess what's next? What? Episode 20. Holy moly. Yeah, Seams from a Marriage, which I do believe is a play on words from Scenes from a Marriage. 
So that's as far as I've gotten in my research, guys. (laughs) Stay tuned. It's going to get real exciting. I watched the episode. I don't love it. Oh, already? Mm. Okay. Yeah, I watched it too. I need another. I need another go. Um, so we'd love everyone to follow along with us and engage on Instagram and Facebook. You can find us at, at sweet tea and TV. Uh, and then on email, it, uh, we are sweet tea TV pod at gmail.com. And then on the interwebs where we store our crap is at www.sweetttv.com. And we hope that you'll join us there. And you know what? Hang tight for Nikki's extra sugar, where we'll learn a little something. (laughs) Why'd you make me laugh? Why do you sound British? I don't know. I don't think that's British. I don't know what that is. That's called tired. Anyways, hang tight for Nikki's extra sugar, where we'll learn a little something about Greek life. And from there, we'll see you around the bend. Selena, for this week's Extra Sugar, we're going to dive headfirst into sororities with a Grits Blitz-like game. You want to play? Yes. Okay. So I'm going to give you a word associated with sororities, and then I want you to tell me what you know or think you know about that word. I want this to be relatively rapid fire. Uh So kind of like first thing that comes to mind, quick definition, something like that. Okay. Do you think that's doable? It's definitely doable. I'm afraid that I'm afraid it might come out catty. Hmm. Well, this might get interesting, dear listener. (laughs) Meow. (laughs) So, uh, Selena was not in a sorority. I was. Um, So that's why she says it might get catty, I think. Um, No, I think it's just more the stereotypes. Like, that's the first thing that comes to mind. So I'm not really trying to be a butt, but I'm tired and something butt-headed might be the first thing that comes to mind. <laughs> Fair enough. But that could be for anything. You could do a Bible quiz right now and I'd be like, ooh, oh, might my. get catty up in here. <laughs> <laughs> I need to work on my cat noises. <laughs> so we're not doing a Bible quiz. We're doing a sorority quiz. And the reason we're doing it is because in the beginning of episode 19, Suzanne and Julia have an exchange about sororities. Mm-hmm. Um, Suzanne says, you don't know what it's like to feel a deep, unbreakable bond with 70 or 80 of your closest friends, <laughs> which was one of my favorite lines in this entire episode. It's pretty good. Um, so for folks who don't know, um, a sorority is an organization on a college campus whose purpose is to foster friendship and community among women. Sororities began as a way for women to find intellectual and social companionship with one another. Uh, notably, they started like a century after the first fraternities. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sounds right. That tracks. Just a nice hundred year gap. Go right. on. Right, right, right. Uh, so the word f- comes from the Latin word soror, which means sister or cousin, daughter of a father's brother. You know, the definition of cousin mm-hmm. <laughs> or female friend. Mm. Um, 
I think the reason I'm so excited to talk about this is because I was in a sorority. It was cool to hear Susan Suzanne talk about her sorority experience. I sort of probably assumed she was in one, but it was cool to hear her talk about it, even if briefly. And sororities are really intertwined with the Southern College experience. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, in fact, mm. the first one was founded in Macon, Georgia. Really? Mm-hmm. Mm. Or something like that. Mm. So Time Magazine says there are a couple of different sororities that lay claim to being the first in some way, shape, or form. But Alpha Delta Pi was founded in 1851 in Macon, Georgia. And it was founded as the Adelphian Society, and it touts itself as the first secret society for women. That's kind of cool. But Pi Beta Phi was founded in 1867, Um, And it calls itself the first national group to be patterned after men's groups with multiple chapters. So where was that one? uh, You know, I don't think I wrote that down. Well, it wasn't in the South, so who cares? It was not in the South. Yeah, well. Sorry about that. Skip it then. (laughs) No, seriously. If it's not, this is a Southern podcast. (laughs) That's why. That's why I'm focusing on AD Pi. Yeah, Connecticut, you get something every day. (laughs) Let us have our sororities. Just kidding, Connecticut. We love you. Come on the show. So that's just a brief history of sororities. I am talking today about social sororities. There Mm -hmm. are also like philanthropic sororities. There are academic sororities. Mm -hmm. This is what I'm talking about today is the traditional group of friends sororities. Um, Oftentimes they have a philanthropic sort of arm, um, but it's mostly social in nature. That's what these terms are related to. I want to put that caveat in because some of these terms might not be relevant to women who were in sororities, but they were in maybe an academic sorority or something like that. Okay. Okay. I'm so scared of what you're about to do to me. I can't even tell you. Oh, this will be fun. So like I said, I'm going to give you a word associated with sororities and then just as rapid fire as you can, tell me what you think. First thing to come to mind. Okay. And. Brain. (laughs) oh not yet (laughs) not yet we haven't started my bad i also may have some show and tells for you along the way (laughs) she's getting loopy (laughs) y'all i'm just preparing you did show and tell last night so or last recording so now i'm doing show and tell okay and this is not dirty guys just so you know (laughs) no no, not that kind of show and tell yeah okay your first word Mm -hmm. you ready no, but go on. I know. You don't look ready. Mm-mm. I'm going for it. Badge. Something to do with your name. Mm. No. Not specific enough? <laughs> so a badge is an insignia of fraternity or sorority membership worn only by initiated members. Each sorority has its own unique badge that can be decorated in different jewels and comes in a variety of shapes and sizes. Wait, like on a person? How about I show you one? Oh, okay. If it is on a person, though, that's sort of what I meant. Like, you know, like a name tag. That's why I said something to do with your name. This oh, is my badge from okay. when I was in a sorority. Can I see it? Can I? So, There's a pearl oh, on it. There is a pearl. I'll put my my grubby non-sorority hands on it. She'll I know. have to wash it. And I'll polish it later. Okay, we made two different jokes there. <laughs> but they were both against me, so it's fine. So a badge is, it's an insignia related to the sorority and you wear it, um, again, only initiated members can wear it and you can wear it. You know what? I'm taking it away from you now. You can't, you can't be trusted with this. 
Um, you can wear it to different events, even, you know, after your time in college is over. So I have friends that'll wear them to weddings when another sorority sister gets married. Oh, that's sweet. It is nice. We also call it a pin in the real world. Right, right. So uh, I think I can take a picture of it. Yeah, it's like a pin, right? Mm -hmm. I forget people can't see this. It's not just you and me talking. It's a pin that you put on your your dress or your shirt. And I've definitely seen them before. I just didn't know what the their name. So. Well, there you go. Yeah. Now you know. We're learning, learning Thank left you. and right. Extra sugar. All right, your next term. <clears throat> P N M. Peanut nut material. She's good at this game, you guys. <laughs> She's good. PNM stands for Potential New Member. Ah. That's someone not associated with Greek life, but has the potential to go through Rush. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was in the ballpark. Go on. <laughs> uh, the next one, I hope, I hope you know this one. Legacy. This is someone who it, their parent or someone in their family was in that same sorority. Ding, 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 ding. Hey, I've seen Legally Blonde. <laughs> I don't know if that's what I know it from. but So a leg legacy is a daughter, sister, or granddaughter of an initiated member of a sorority. Um, so different sororities can have different types of legacies and different definitions for legacy. Uh, and being a legacy does not guarantee that you'll get a bid to the sorority. But does it like get you more points? Okay. I think it's she gave the little head nod. I think guys. it can be it can be helpful. She gave me the the secret sorority call. Did not. There was like some wings. Did not. And then she threw her elbows up. It was <laughs> I don't know. We'll have, to, we'll have to put that on social media. Any alpha gams who are listening, I shared nothing secret with Selena. <laughs> She's inventing all of this. Um your next term? Rex. Um Rex. Uh, is this maybe like something that you do in your spare time, like a recreationals? Oh, that's a nice guess. And it is something you do in your spare time. Okay. It's recommendations. It was what Suzanne was doing at the beginning of the episode. Oh. It's mm. a form or a letter completed by an alumna uh, recommending a potential new member or PNM for membership. Peanut nut materials. Correct. Okay. Right. Okay. Your next term. Mm -hmm. Ritual. Uh, well, this is, okay. I mean, this is like such a regular word. Um, You're doing great. Mm -hmm. But I mean, this is something that sororities uh, keep up for, uh, over the course of all of the years together. <laughs> <laughs> when they uh, stand in a circle and sing a song. Oh my gosh. You know what, Selena? I'm going to give you that one. Oh, really? <laughs> Ritual is the private traditions and practices of a sorority deeply rooted in the shared values and purpose of the members. Rituals serve as a reminder to each member of her responsibilities and inspire her to fulfill them. Rituals connect the past with the present and the future. I mean, I have to tell you that while I appreciate you giving me that one, I feel like it was um, not that close. I think it... Well, my interpretation of what you were saying is it's the special... Things that sorority sisters do with one another that only yeah. sorority sisters would know. Yeah, I just took you down a little bit of a winding path. That's cool. Mm -hmm. I can wind. Mm -hmm. I can wind with the best of, best of them. The best of them. <laughs> Life's hard. All right, your next word. Prefs. Prefs? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's the it's prefs. It was the uh, beginning of the book. The preface. Oh. <laughs> Well, hold on now. I, hold on. I'm not done. 
Oh, okay, good. See, when you're in a sorority, you're very busy because you have to like log these hours, right? And like, because you, you're good works to get into heaven. Hold on. <laughs> am I, am I, I'm not following. Hold on. Okay. Okay. So there's not really time for full words. Right. And so, you know, but you're also in school. Yes, that's true. And it's really important to have your prefs, the prefaces of books. Uh-huh. Okay. You didn't get that one right. Okay. Not even close. Okay. I'm not even going to give you like tangential rightness because <laughs> okay. you said the beginning. It actually refers to the end of something. Oh, no. Prefs is short for preferentials. Oh, come on. I almost <laughs> said that, but that seemed like a mean thing to say, even though I don't know why. <laughs> that refers to the last round of recruitment. So recruitment happens in phases. So you have your first round of recruitment where everybody's sort of um, doing, you know, you're doing your rounds at all the houses. You're briefly getting to know the sorority sisters, getting a feel for each sorority. And then you go round by round. And slowly the idea is that you're narrowing down your list of preferred sororities and the sorority is narrowing down its list of preferred members, the members it thinks that um, will best represent the sorority's values and mission and shared purpose and all those things. And you're doing the same thing on your side. So you get to this last round, this preferential round, where hopefully you are sitting down with your preferred sorority to decide if it's a good fit for one another. This look you're giving me. So what are the layers above the prefs? Do I, those have names? I don't think they have specific names. Round one, round two. I think there might be, you're asking me to go back in time to 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't really, I don't think they have specific names. Do they na- okay. Because I'm like, do the names get mean? No. Okay. No. By the time you reach the other side of that, is it Igor? <laughs> no. Uh, you guys really miss a lot without the video. It's gone sideways. <laughs> okay, your next term. Okay. Row tie. Roll tide. Nope. This is nope. the okay. Nope. <laughs> row. <laughs> oh, row tide. This is the device that you use on your TV uh, <laughs> to, <laughs> to stream apps. I don't understand why you weren't in a sorority. You know everything about them. It's amazing. It's so good. You're very wrong. <laughs> Rokai is a recruitment counselor. It's a sorority member who is temporarily you, disassociated. Th- hold on now. Do you see what I'm saying? Everybody's so busy that we're shortening all the words. Yes. Right. Okay. Correct. We're very busy people. I I know. Um. So this is a, a sorority member temporarily disassociated from the sorority to serve as a recruitment guide. And so their whole purpose is to answer questions from potential new members as they go through recruitment. If they're disassociated, do they still get to sleep in the house or do y'all like Mm -mm. put them in the, you put them in the yard? Not in the yard. They go and sleep somewhere totally different. They have like a special. But where? (laughs) I can't tell you that. Oh, it's It's a a ritual. Oh my gosh. I'm just kidding. Secrets. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) I'm like, they're in the doghouse. No, that's not a good one. Uh, No, they just have a special, like, I think there might be. A section of one house. I have a friend who is a Rokai. I should ask her. I think it was a special section of like one house that they all go stay in, or it might be a dorm somewhere on campus. But all the Rokais are sort of separated from the sororities. Okay, that's good. I'm glad that they aren't like, you know, like uh, 
tough crap, ladies. Uh, find your own way home no, tonight. Not at all. Not at all. It's a very, it's a, a lot of... Um, Coveted. It is. I think it is for a lot of women because it's an opportunity to share your experience with other potential new members, make them feel comfortable because recruitment... And it's recruitment's also called rush. That's what most people know it as is rush. The technical term is recruitment, and it can be a really overwhelming experience, especially mm-hmm. if you're new at UGA where I went. It's a really big campus. I did not go through fall rush, so I don't know any of these things from firsthand experience. I rushed in the spring, which is a much more laid back rush experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the fall, like you're rushing with hundreds and hundreds of other girls, and it can be super overwhelming. So mm-hmm. the Rokai's are there to be a resource for them. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then your last one. Are you ready for your last one? Mm-hmm. How do you feel like you're doing? Terrible. Okay. But I would like to say that I'm giving you pretty immediate answers. You are. No, I, you're sticking to that end of the bargain. Mm-hmm. I'm very proud of you. Your last word, lava lear. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> when a sorority member um, really takes that next step in life, you know, uh, after graduation, they need something to get around in quickly. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you've heard of the Lear jet. I have. Okay. So this is kind of like that, but it's, um, it's branded specifically for sororities. So it's a, um, it's a plane. It's a plane. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, that is wrong. Okay. <laughs> I thought you were going to go somewhere when you said it's a step. It's a step after the sorority. So I have another show and tell for you. Mm. Why don't you describe for the people, since I forgot to do that last time, why don't you describe what you're seeing in front of you? I'm seeing a, a jewelry box and inside it is a necklace and it looks like it has your letters on it mm-hmm. in the a vertical sorority. line. There you go. It's pretty. So a lavalier, the basis definition of a lavalier is a necklace with Greek letters on it. So, so not a plane. Just want to make sure. Not a plane. Okay. But there's like a weird... Okay, so this gets interesting. Okay. This is where non-sorority members might look kind of weird. Looking at me as I'm explaining this to you. Uh, So wait, hold on. So I don't look weird. No, you're looking at me weird. You look weird. Yep. Okay. Just wanted Mm -hmm. to clarify. Go on. So a lavalier can also be a ceremony. And it's not as common now. But it used to be that if a fraternity member had a special lady, he would lavalier her, where he would give him, it's not, it's not dirty, he would give him his letters and he would say, you're my special lady. Mm-hmm. Almost like a promise ring, like a, an intent to be together for a long time. Mm-hmm. Like, I really respect you. I think you represent the values of my fraternity. I want to bestow my letters on you. I want to brand you. Go on. So it was a really big, it was a really big step. And then after that happened, you would go back to your sorority house and you would have a candle lighting ceremony. And this is where your your sisters are um, joining you in your excitement to have been lavaliered. You say branding. I say lavaliered. Potato, potato, tomato, tomato. And then you get to leave with your MRS. <laughs> so in my time in the sorority i think i remember maybe one lavalier um what we oftentimes had was an engagement ceremony which was where a girl actually got engaged while she was in the sorority and we would do the candle lighting ceremony Hmm. um so i didn't really i don't really remember lavalier the only reason i know it is because i have one which i got after i got my bid to the sorority okay 
Wait, this is not from an engagement. I did not get engaged. No. Okay. Nope. Right. I did not That's get this. Is, that would be a mine. really hard way for Kyle to hear that, <laughs> I think. Or, or a good test about whether or not Kyle is listening. Right. Oh, right. Mm. Oh, dang it. You know, tell him there's some juicy bits. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. In episode 19. You really, it's... they really got the old lavalier. <laughs> so that's it. That's all the terms. You know now. I d- well, maybe. <laughs> do you remember anything I just said to you? I, maybe. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I probably do. But I think that maybe, um, I think maybe you guys should consider some of the things that I shared as well. I, I, I like the Learjet <laughs> idea after graduation. You know, it's just, try, it's all about success. Reward <laughs> card. <laughs> Something like that. So let's bring it full circle real quick. Okay. So we've, we've talked about Suzanne was in a sorority. We've talked a little bit about sororities. We did a crash course. Who do you think in the Designing Women cast was in a sorority when she was in college? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I'm I'm concerned that I may have have I read this before. If I have, I don't remember. So that's good news. Um, hmm. I think it could be any one of them, honestly. Um. Oh man. Okay, this doesn't make for good listening. So I'm going to say some words out loud. That would be nice. Uh, so that it's not just dead silence and me going. Blah, 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 blah. Um, I my first instinct was to say Jean Smart. Um, so you know what I it it's it, and then I, I think after I'm going to rank them. Mm-hmm. Okay. So first, I think it's most likely to be Jean Smart, just because that was the first name that came to my head. And okay. then I'm actually going to say that for some reason, although maybe wrong, it could be Delta Burke. Uh, then I'm going to go Dixie Carter and Annie Potts. So go ahead and tell me that it was Annie Potts. <laughs> no, it was Dixie Carter. Okay. She was a Delta 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 or Tri-Delt and Jean Smart. Ah. She was an AD Pi, which we learned was the sorority that was established in, in Macon, Macon, Georgia. Uh, that is a really good full circle. What I tell you. You just really woke me up. What I tell you. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. That's all you need to know about sororities, right? That That's it. That's all you've ever needed to know. So you've seen my badge. You've seen my lavalier. And go ahead and tell your sorority sisters that this is also the official inducting of me into the sorority. It's a little off book. Um, <laughs> You're not dressed properly and we have too many lights on. Is it because it's my shirt says a well-read woman is a dangerous creature? <sighs> well, that's not what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> is perfect taking you down no you're, you're supposed to be you're supposed to be dressed a little more boring than that so you cannot be inducted tonight but mind your p's and q's and you might be in we'll see i just wanted to see if i could really scare the crap out of your sorority sisters <laughs> they don't care <laughs> that's what you think until they meet so that was this week's extra sugar <laughs>